Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. All right, everyone. Here we are, uh, Wednesday, December 22nd, a little bit after 8 p.m. Central Time as I record this week's podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Stone. This is episode 31 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Today's podcast titled, These Times They Are A-Changing. That was uh, an album by Bob Dylan released in the mid-1960s. The title track, track to that item, album rather uh, was of the same name. Again, today's podcast, These Times They Are A-Changing. And while Bob Dylan was singing music uh, in his uh, reference, on the album, we're going to be talking about college football, and if you had noticed, uh, these times are certainly a change in college football, uh, especially in the in the last five months, uh, beginning in early July with name, image, and likeness. The advent of players being able to make money off NIL and uh, with the transfer portal and uh, just all this going on, uh, the sport is a much different sport than even it was. Um, you know, a year ago. So uh, as handicappers, we have to be fluid. Uh, we have to keep up with the times. And it's bowl season, so we're going to look at it from a bowl season perspective. And in the new age of the college football bowl season, where some players flock to the transfer portal and others choose to opt out, handicapping the games, especially at or near the opener, can be a you know, can be a dicey proposition, I guess, to say the least, you know, simply because you don't know for certain who's going to be in uniform uh, and available when the game rolls around. You know, I agree that there's some guessing involved, no question about it. But as I like to say, it's educated guessing, in my opinion. Uh, As someone in a previous life, as a young man who covered and wrote about sports in the mainstream media for many years, You know, I feel like I have a pretty good feel for coach speak. You know, what should be taken as the gospel and what should, you know, be consumed uh, with a fair amount or even maybe a great amount of of skepticism. You know, I've always found it funny when I read uh, or hear from rather a a novice or an unsuspecting handicapper who tells me they read something in the newspaper or saw something on TV or on the radio Uh, where a coach said, you know, this or that about his team. So they were going to bet this way or that way, largely based on the, you know, quotes from the coach. Um, And I'm going to be the first to tell you, you know, most coaches use or play the media to spread, you know, the message that they're hoping to spread. And maybe it, you know, perfectly matches their opinion on the player or the topic in some cases. 
maybe it partially matches their opinion on the player or the topic. Or perhaps it doesn't match their opinion, you know, their true opinion at all. And they're simply sending you a smoke screen uh, that's going to be devoured, unfortunately, by some unsuspecting neophytes, hook, line, and sinker. You know, one general example of this when talking about coaches might be found primarily in the preseason or early season portion of a team season when a coach might say something to the effect, hey, you know, we've got a chance to be good. You know, we've got a veteran team. We've got some talented players. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, if you're not willing to put the work in, if you're not willing to pay the price. This team hasn't won anything. And I'm pretty sure our opponents, you know, aren't going to just fall at our feet because we've got state U embroidered across our, you know, the front of our jerseys, the front of our chest. You know, maybe that coach is truly angered uh, at his team, or perhaps he knows, and I think this is more likely, he knows he has the makings of a special group. And he's simply challenging them through the media, using the media, challenging them to produce, you know, championship effort each and every day, you know, hoping in return uh, that that type of effort might yield championship type results. And then on the other hand, you know, you've got this coach whose team uh, has been ravaged by personnel losses and graduation. Uh, Many of those players were multi-year starters playing key positions. Uh, Some of those guys might even be getting a shot at the NFL. So that coach has a a number of relatively inexperienced players who are going to have to step up, who are going to have to make the transformation or the change from being a, a role player or maybe not hardly playing at all, uh, to being, you know, fairly significant. And those players may or may not fill, you know, those voids. They've never done it at this level. You know, they've never done it in front of seventy-five or 80,000 people with the band playing, the fans cheering on, on a Saturday night in the South, you know, or the Midwest, or, you know, pretty much anywhere for that matter. So the coach in this case might say, you know, I like what I've seen from this team so far. You know, we, we, we have a lot of, you know, we clearly have a lot of new guys. They need to step up. You know, they've waited their turn, uh, and now it's their time. You know, these guys are really working hard. They're buying in. They're doing everything that we're asking them to do. You know, I really like this team, and I think we're going to surprise some people. What this coach is trying to do is provide some confidence to players who probably have some talent, but they need some positive reinforcement that they can do it, you know, that they do belong at this level in this league. You know, so the the, the coach might be, you know, he might be greatly, legitimately concerned, you know, that his team might not be very good, that his job, you know, might be in jeopardy if he doesn't win you know, at least seven games, say, uh, in the coming season. So he's pumping this young team up, Uh, whether he truly believes what he's saying or not. His words have meaning. They're calculated, and uh, he is using the media to convey the message that he wants that young team to hear. You know, just like I think I have a pretty good idea of what coaches really are saying when they speak, I think I've got, you know, I've done, I've got a pretty good idea, I think, uh, about players too and about 
where they're coming from and um, you know what their true intentions are, what they're really made of, and so forth. You know, in the days leading up to uh, Sunday, December 5th, and Sunday, December 5th was the day that the bowl announcements, the bowl pairings were uh, revealed and the betting lines posted uh, at many stores, and, and most stores had them up by Monday the 6th. But I did some pretty extensive study in the days leading up to the bowl game uh, announcements there on Sunday the 5th, and much of my effort centered around identifying draft-eligible players on the participating teams and then using my instincts and experience to speculate or guess which schools might have some or maybe even a significant amount of opt-outs. And certainly uh, there was a heavy concentration as far as my work on the all-important quarterback position. Uh, you know, to this relatively early point in the bowl season, my efforts have yielded mixed results, to be honest. You know, some good reads on my part, uh, some not so good, and then really one unforeseen uh, occurrence, which was reported today uh, and wiped out, to be frank about it, my most significant betting position in the entire 2021 bowl season. Uh, in this game I'll talk about, first of all, in my bowl pre uh, preparation, I felt very strongly that Texas A&M would be at least somewhat, if not significantly, impacted by opt-outs. Uh, conversely, I felt like the Aggies' opponent, Wake Forest, would be minimally, uh, if at all, affected by opt-outs. You know, this all kind of ties in together, but I also felt that Wake Forest would be much more invested in playing Texas A&M from the big bad SEC than the Aggies would, you know, playing the Demon Deacons from the ACC. Plus, I felt like Sam Hartman, uh, the uh, Wake Forest quarterback who threw four interceptions in the ACC championship game loss to Pitt, would be out for redemption, uh, out to get that bad taste of his, out of his mouth, you know, after throwing those four interceptions in that, uh, in that loss. Without getting into particulars and just rattling off uh, names of the Aggies' opt-outs, my, you know, my pregame preparation and analysis of this particular bowl game, you know, has developed uh, in pretty much the, the fashion that I envisioned in a perfect handicapping world. Uh, you know, things have kind of come to, you know, it's kind of the Aggies have gradually opted out of the game. I even got a gift, no question about it, from my selfish perspective when A&M uh, starting quarterback Cal, uh, Zach Calzada rather, uh, announced he was entering the transfer portal and would not play in the bowl game against Wake Forest. Uh, Calzada's uh, exit basically left the Aggies without a uh, without a scholarship quarterback. So they were uh, apparently going to be starting a walk-on at quarterback during the bowl game against uh, Texas A&M. So my portfolio heavily invested in tickets on Wake Forest plus five, even took the Demon Deacons on the money line at plus 172. And I felt really good uh, about my uh, Wake Forest positions. And that was until this afternoon, uh, about midday, a little bit afternoon uh, central time today on Wednesday, December 22nd, when it was reported that Texas A&M had elected not to participate uh, in the Gator Bowl. After all, 
Uh, they were they cited COVID issues, uh, season-ending injuries, transfers, and opt-outs. Uh, A&M said it was down to 38 scholarship uh, players. Uh, essentially half of those were offensive and defensive linemen. And according to Jimbo Fisher, and I quote, we just don't have enough scholarship players available to fill the team, end quote. So a Texas A&M team whose season at least somewhat fell short of expectations, uh, they certainly had grander plans than playing Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl, now won't have to play in a bowl game that really doesn't have a place or a role uh, in the program's current short-term, mid-term, or long-term mission. Uh, From a betting standpoint, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, there are a lot of betting events during the course of a month. Uh, the course of a season, uh, the course of a year, uh, and even the course of a lifetime for that matter. And I truly believe, maybe not exactly, but I truly believe it pretty much evens out ultimately for the most part. Uh, It comes out even in the wash, so to speak. Uh, I'm not one of these persons, you know, these moaning and groaning conspiracists that uh, believes the betting gods are all lined up against them and that all of sport is solely focused on undermining their prowess uh, as a sports handicapper you know that's not my deal so that's the way it goes I think I was lined up nicely and uh, now all those tickets will be obviously graded uh, as a refund and uh, I won't be able to to see how that game plays out Uh, that was a game that I um, you know I read nicely another game I read nicely was Nevada in western Michigan I felt like that uh, Nevada's quarterback uh, Carson Strong uh, who's had uh, some shoulder issues. He had shoulder surgery back during the spring. Uh, then he had it scoped again in August before camp started. Uh, I didn't see any reason Carson Strong would play in that bowl game against Western Michigan. Uh, so I've got tickets right now, Western Michigan plus seven and under 66 in that same game. And I think as of yesterday, I think I had 23 and a half combined total points of value on those two tickets in that same game. So those are some good stories, some good tickets. One of them still in play. We'll see how that pans out. And then all the tickets on Wake Forest now wiped away, and that didn't uh, didn't work in my favor. In the spirit of uh, full disclosure, you know, a couple of bowl games that I misread by entering the marketplace early uh, were Pitt, Michigan State, Uh, and UT San Antonio and San Diego State that played last night, uh, Tuesday, December 21st, in Frisco, Texas. I really believed when the lines came out, uh, UT San Antonio would show up with all hands on deck. Uh, You know, they had a historic season, won the Conference USA Championship, and I really thought it would mean a lot to that team and that program to play a team from uh, a conference that's considered to be slightly above Uh, Conference USA in the pecking order of college football, that being San Diego State of the Mountain West Conference. Instead, uh, at least nine roadrunners didn't play in the bowl game last night, including their top running back, Sincere McCormick. Uh, Shortly after the betting lines were released, kind of going backwards uh, there on December 5th, I played either on the 5th or the 6th of December, I played UT San Antonio minus two. And then on Tuesday afternoon, yesterday, the 21st, uh, about five hours before kickoff, uh, after reading a story uh, in the San Antonio Express News that at least nine players uh, did not participate in Sunday's practice, 
I did something I rarely do. I, I took San Diego State at the current number at that time of minus two and a half, and I took them for a slightly greater amount than my original play on Texas San Antonio, obviously risking the possibility of losing both bets. Uh, it was four and a half points of negative value, uh, but it did cross over zero, so that's a little bit uh, overstated in this particular game. Uh, you know, I normally in that situation, I'll just ride out a ticket that has negative value, uh, take my lumps. But in this case, I really felt strongly that San Diego State was now uh, a strong side to be on. Uh, I was obviously uh, had exposure uh, with a one or a two-point victory by either team, so I just took my chances. And as it turned out, I uh, you know had a small win on that particular game. But again, I, I entered the marketplace early. I thought UT San Antonio would be the more motivated team, uh, would have a full roster if they had any opt-outs. It would be minimal, and uh, that's not the way it turned out. You know, I, I whiffed on that one. Then in the Pitt Michigan State bowl game, still to be played. Um, shortly after the announcement of this game, Pitt standout quarterback Kenny Pickett uh, said he would play in the bowl game. And I believe at the time he was being forthright uh, when he said that. But then shortly thereafter, his offensive coordinator, uh, who he obviously is closely uh, affiliated with, uh, Mark Whipple, resigned. Whipple ultimately takes the same job at Nebraska. Pickett reconsiders, ultimately decides to opt out and now he will not be playing against Michigan State. So I'm stuck with a ticket on over 62.5. The picketless total in that game now hovering around 55.5. So I've got seven points of negative value. And this one, I'm just going to ride it out, uh, fully expecting, you know, honestly to lose the bet. Uh, Nick Patty, who will start now for Pitt, after all, uh, he isn't Kenny Pickett. You know, although my overall approach to sports betting would be considered, you know, conservative by most people in many facets, my approach regarding when to enter the marketplace historically has has been when I become aggressive. You know, I like to bet early, uh, as early as possible, really, uh, when it comes to college football. I bet college football games of the year before Memorial Day. like to bet those college football openers uh, on Sunday morning, uh, for the following Saturday's games. Uh, and then uh, also like to uh, to bet, uh, again, talking about the bowl games, I like to bet as many of those bowl games as possible on the very Sunday uh, that the pairings are announced. So that's when I'm aggressive. I like to enter the, the marketplace early. But I must admit, you know, again, the, the title of this week's podcast, These Times They Are A-Changing, I must admit, I'll be considering changing or at least, you know, modifying or tweaking my approach to betting college bowl games going forward. The sport has changed dramatically. And again, uh, as I said near the opening, even in the last five months with the advent of name, image, and likeness, uh, you have the transfer portal, which is becoming incredible as far as the volume of players uh, that are going into the portal, the amount of changeover that that teams' rosters will uh, endure from one season to the next. The transfer portal, when you consider a team's power rating from one season's end to the next season's beginning, the transfer portal will certainly have much more of an impact 
than that season's recruiting class, if that makes sense. The traditional high school and junior college recruits, because most of those players will not make immediate contributions. You might have three or four, maybe even more players who join a team's roster from the portal who are veteran players who have played, who are not 18 or 19, but 21 or 22, and have shown the ability to produce at this level. So really evaluating the portal going into a season, the new players coming to the team through the portal will be more critical in my mind, much more critical than evaluating the recruiting class as far as the upcoming season because those new high school players or just exited high school players will not be, in most cases, ready to, to play at that level right off the bat. You know, a, a sports better uh, with, with all the changes, one thing you have to be, and this was even before all these changes in college football, but one thing you have to be is fluid. You must be willing to examine, you know, your process, your way of doing things. It's not an exercise, sports handicapping, where you can, you know, dig your, your heels in the sand uh, refuse to change, uh, you know, you'll ultimately, if you do that, you'll ultimately get, you know, swept away by changing times or a changing sport. So I'm going to consider changing because these times, again, they are a changing. Now for my chainless plug that I do uh, each week or most weeks, um, started out the bowl season 0-2 so far in my premium selections. I was 50 and 38 against the spread as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. So now a combined 50 and 40 against the spread in college football. Entering tonight in college basketball, 46 and 30 against the spread, uh, again as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. So a combined 96 and 70 in both sports monitored uh, 58%. Uh, between those two sports this season. Really proud of that. Pretty good stuff, I think. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, you can go to paulstonesports.org. The remainder of my bowl package through the national championship game, only 149 college hoops for the entire season through the national championship game, only 329 Again, that's paulstonesports.org. paulstonesports.org. And now to this week's complimentary selection, uh, this is going to be in a bowl game, the Military Bowl, that's going to be played on December 27th. Uh, so five days from today's recording on Monday, December 27th, two days after Christmas, East Carolina of the American Athletic Conference is going to play Boston College of the Atlantic Coast Conference. I'm not going to give just a real long breakdown of this particular game, but East Carolina, uh, their first bowl game since way back in 2014, uh, the Pirates currently 7-5, and five, so this is also going to be their first winning season since that 2014 season. So things looking up under Mike Houston, I just simply think this game is going to mean more to East Carolina. You can currently still get three at a few shops. I think that's going to be gone before too many more days. But my recommendation uh, in a bowl game being played early next week on December 27th, take East Carolina plus three over Boston College. So that's going to do a wrap for episode 31 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Again, I appreciate you listening each week to my thoughts and ramblings and opinions and so forth. I know many of you have listened to most, if not all, of these podcasts. I'm going to try to be consistent. I haven't missed a week to this point 
and that's going to be my goal. We're just going to keep on keeping on, and uh, hopefully uh, some people will find some value to what's uh, being communicated during the podcast, and will find it entertaining in some manner, productive in some fashion. Three days before Christmas, hope everybody has uh, some some great uh, holiday times, um, that your travel is safe, that your visits are fruitful, uh, productive, happy, and fun. Uh, Reach out to someone maybe you hadn't talked to in a long time. They might be uh, needing to hear from you. And uh, so uh, without further ado, I am Paul Stone signing off. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 